0: Welcome to the Bill Kelly Podcast, critical discussions in critical times. Here's your host, Bill Kelly. And yeah, glad to have you with us today. This is the Bill Kelly Podcast, critical discussions for our critical times. I'm your host, Bill Kelly. Good to have you with us here today. Uh, a focus on on Canadian politics, and, and especially opposition leader Pierre Polyev, uh, who's been in the news, some would suggest, for all the wrong reasons over the last couple of days. Uh, and an interesting story uh, that appeared in the Toronto Star a couple of days ago by, uh, by Robert Benzie, who is the uh, Queen's Park Bureau chief, and uh, Stephanie Levitz who's the Deputy Ottawa Bureau Chief uh, because this uh, intertwines between federal and provincial politics here in Ontario. It has to do uh, with Doug Ford and Pierre Paulyev and uh, and who's going to be on Team Ford and who's going to be on Team Paulyev. And uh, we're going to get to that and a lot of other issues with our guest today. She is Dr. Lori Turnbull, the Professor and Chair of Public and International Affairs at Dalhousie University. Lori, great to have you on the podcast again. Thanks for joining us today. Thank you so much for having me, Bill. Good to see you. Good to have you with us, too. Let's talk a little bit about this and the story that was in the Star a couple of days ago. And uh, the reference here is uh, that, uh, well, first of all, Tory insiders, and you and I have talked about this some of the last couple of podcasts, are, are licking their chops right now, figuring, look, Polly is going to wipe Trudeau's butt when the next election comes, whenever that's going to be. Uh, and it's going to be a huge majority, and the numbers seem to indicate that. Some polling seems to indicate that. And uh, the concern, according to the piece in the Star, as you read, is that uh, the Ontario PC Party is a little concerned about that because uh, you know everybody wants to be on a winner, and uh, there's some concern that maybe some of uh, Doug Ford's team and the Ontario Progressive Conservative Party uh, may jump ship and run to the federal party. Uh, they've already lost one minister, uh, not a major minister, but nonetheless, who's announced that uh, they're going to be running for Polyev in the next federal election. Uh, how much of this goes on, and is is it much you do about nothing, or is it something that they should be concerned about?
1: I mean, I think they should be concerned about it to the extent that that affects them. I'm just not really sure what they can do about it. Like, I think when it looks like someone is going to win federally, so Polyev looks like he's very much in that position, where unless something really goes in a different direction over the next year and a half or so, it looks like he's in a position to do quite well. And so it is normal, I think, and natural and understandable for people who share some political overlap with him, you know, who are in other jurisdictions, who are in the provincial jurisdiction, decide they want to make the leap for federal because they don't want to leave what they have for something that might or might not work out, right? And somebody doesn't want to leave a cabinet position provincially to sit on the back bench federally. Maybe you do, but a lot of people don't. But when it starts to look like they're going to be in a winning position... And people start to evaluate their options and see whether this could be something that they might be able to entertain. And people who may have wanted to go federal for a while would would have sat on it until it seems like, oh, this is a a good time, right? Because this is going to be worth my while.
0: Well, look at the dynamic here. And, uh, you know, when the next provincial election rolls around... Uh, It'll be the third time that Doug Ford will be seeking a mandate. Uh, He's had a couple of majorities, as a matter of fact, in cases total. Uh, But let's face it. I mean, there's been some fluctuation in his popularity over the last little while. Uh, There's some concern about uh, just what's going to happen with the Ontario Liberal Party and whether or not they're going to challenge Ford the third time around. Uh, And and that's one element of it. But the other side, of course, is is like you say, there seems to be this huge poly movement in, in federal politics. Uh, and and the Conservatives, as I say, seem to be really, you know, salivating at the opportunity of a big majority. And we've seen this in Ontario. I mean, historically, uh, you know, there were members of the, uh, of the Mike Harris government back in the mid-1990s, uh, well, it turned into be the early 2000s, that jumped ship and ran for Stephen Harper because the same dynamic was happening, wasn't it? That looked like Harper was going to win the election, that people were tired of Paul Martin and the Liberals. And, uh, and, uh, Jim Flaherty, uh, John Baird, Tony Clement, three ministers in the Harris cabinet ran federally now, but to your point, they were all awarded cabinet positions in the Harper government. So, I mean, is there a quid pro quo here to say, yeah, Mr. Polyev, I'll go on your team, but, uh, you know, what's in it for me down the road?
1: I mean, I can't imagine that those conversations are, um, you know, not, not happening. <laughs> like, I mean, yeah. I'm, I'm not a fly on the wall, but I, I would think that if, if somebody was being uh, if somebody with political experience who, you know, had had been around the block a few times, had, had brings something to to the table with respect to having developed um, a certain amount of political acumen and a following and they know how to fundraise and they know how to work with a constituency office. Like that's all that's all information and that's all experience and credentials that, that are quite important actually. And Polyev is coming to people saying, you know, I want to be the prime minister. And the closer he gets to that mark, the more questions there are going to be around, well, who's going to be around you? Who's going to be yeah. your finance minister? How are you going to do this? And so to the extent that he can put some light on that and so, some clarity on what his team would look like. And I think that probably too, there's there are still some people on his, be- on his benches who were there with Harper who might say, I'm not doing this anymore, right? Like whether you're going to be in government or not, this is my last shot. Mm-hmm. And so he might find himself needing to like, but, you know, find find a new crowd anyway, which I think he would. He doesn't want to go with with a bunch of people who used to be there with Harper, like no offense to them, but he wants his own like he. Yeah. So and I think he wants to be able to do that in a way that balances out as well, where the parts in the country where he's popular and he has no trouble and also showing that he can appeal more broadly. And someone like Par- Parm Gill, for example, I think is very that's a big get for Polyev in that he can say, I am. You know I'm I am I, I am able to put together a team that is inclusive of you know different parts of the country constituencies around Toronto and in Ontario broadly who like where where the Conservatives can build support because without doing really well in Ontario I don't know how he's going to do this
0: well and and to your point I mean you know when those guys jumped uh, from from provincial into the Harper team uh, they were all given senior positions Jim Flaherty became the finance minister. Yeah, Uh, Baird had a couple of portfolios, but as time went on in that first term of the Harper administration, uh, Baird became his go-to guy, didn't he? I mean, he handed Baird all the tough portfolios. Uh, I guess there was a personal friendship and and kind of a mutual respect between the two of them, uh, that really developed. And, and I guess you have to understand, uh, uh, about those personal relationships and and how they're going to fit in, but I'm, I'm I'm looking at, at team Ford right now. And I'm wondering, I said, Parmgill's absolutely right. I mean, you know, Brampton is key. And, and uh, you know, when you're talking about the GTA and the votes there, so that, that's a big get for him. But, but I mean, if you're going to do poaching, is there a lot of people in that board cabinet that you could say, yeah, that's somebody they could really use on my team right now? You know, when you're into your second and third term as a government, Oftentimes, the front row changes an awful lot and, and usually not for the better. I mean, they are the A teams have gone. They they have maybe moved on to other things. They're gone into private sector, like Monty McNaughton did on the four team. Right. Uh, and there's some pickings up there right now. So Gil may be the only person that actually fits this description.
1: Yeah. I mean, it's true, right? Like, they might, pe- people who might be really interesting to poly have might bail out for other things and other reasons mm-hmm. pre- previous to when this actually, like, you know when when Ed would be in a position to to potentially win that election, yeah, yeah, and like what I'm not sure about, to be honest. And and I know that this would be a third term asking for for Ford, and he's had his option that ups and downs in the poll. I think the Greenbelt story is not over. We don't know yeah. what Bonnie Crombie's going to be doing in terms of the the dent that that could make in enforce popularity and I'll be and I'll, like obviously a big part of the 2022 win for him was the fact that most people didn't vote. And so what will happen if the opposition party succeed in waking up and mobilizing parts of the electorate that decided to sit the election out because they thought for would win and they didn't want to vote for him, didn't want to waste their vote for somebody else. So I think there's a whole lot of space in the Ontario electorate that things could change a lot. I don't count him out at all. And so, whereas we can we can think of some circumstances where you were in a party that there was no way they were going to win the next election, like the Kathleen Wynne crowd, mm-hmm. um, leading up to the Ford victory, right? With like they they knew that 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 election was not going to be a good one for her. This is not that for Ford. At least I really don't think so. I don't think there's any guarantee that he's not going to do do well in the next election. He's got he wears a strange kind of Teflon that I've never seen before. But um, I don't know necessarily that that will that's going to change in the next election. We'll see. But that said, I mean, there could be a time too where somebody's like political career just gets to a point where you're like, I don't necessarily see a lot more runway for myself in this context, but I could remake myself in another one. And we see a lot more people now who are spending a long time in politics, like career politicians who, if they want to remake themselves, they're going to have to switch houses like they're going to have yeah. to kind of change the game altogether and so you might see people who have kind of cut their teeth in the provincial context that say now i'm ready to go federal
0: but what's interesting about this is if we look at what has happened over the last couple of years uh it seems to be a one-way trip back to your local constituency uh where federal politicians are saying look enough is enough Uh, And let's face it, you know, we're in southern Ontario here, uh, you know, it's it's a one hour flight from here to Ottawa, uh, and you're back at work there. But, you know, if you're living in in BC or in Halifax, it's kind of tough getting back home every now and then. And, you know, there's uh, family issues and everything else. So you've got a lot of federal politicians who have now moved back to the constituency and, and run Patrick Brown being one of them, the mayor of Brampton. Uh, the mayor of Edmonton is a former member of parliament where they're simply saying, you know what, I'm going home now. I'm going to use all my experience and see if I can cash in on that situation. So it's going to be interesting to see just how that dynamic folds around. But let me ask you, you talked about how things could change here in Ontario in the next provincial elections, not for a long time. What about federally? I mean, we're looking at numbers here right now uh, that uh, first of all, we we know that there's an awful lot of, of distrust right now for Justin Trudeau. A lot of people just plain don't like the guy. Uh, so that's there. I don't know how you know how long that's going to last. But the economic numbers, which Paulie has been hammering at for the last uh, year and a half, are starting to improve. Uh, you know, inflation seems to be under control. Notwithstanding what Tiff Macklin, the Bank of Canada guy, said today that, you know, interest rates don't really have an impact on the housing market. <laughs> yeah, good, uh, I will, we can debate that for the next couple of hours. Uh, but the, the numbers are getting better. Uh, housing starts are getting better. Uh, prices are, are not going down to the way they want. But the, the possibility here, not necessarily a probability, but the possibility is that the economy is starting to improve. Uh, you know, we're not seeing... It's not a damn white situation. It's going to be a transition, I guess, for that to happen. But is that going to change the dynamic? And if it does, does Polyev have to take another bone and chew on that as opposed to the economic one that he's been chewing on?
1: Yeah, I like... Uh... So I I get it right like and I and I think part of what these liberals have been probably hoping for is that if they stretch this long enough. And they this may have been part of the impetus for the liberal NDP conversation in the first place mm-hmm. is if we can stretch this long enough, right? So that there is some economic renewal uh, rejuvenation by the time people go to the polls then the question will be different. The ballot box question will not be who do you trust to get out of this mess, right? And but it will be more Okay, we've rebounded. We've re, you know we've recovered a bit. Who do you want to take you through the future? When now that things are looking a little brighter, which would which drastically changes the conversation, right? And so they may have thought that this might repair itself, and the the, the economic situation might be different, which would put them in a better better position. And also, you can imagine a scenario. I think that if the economic situation were better. And more people showed up to vote and the liberals and the NDP didn't split the vote that bad, but actually brought the two votes together in a way that they could continue to govern in this kind of arrangement post-election, even if Polyev comes first, which is sticky, but okay from a constitutional perspective. You could see all different kinds of ways that that might work out. But a lot would have to change from where we are now. I think as much as this is an economic situation, and yes, Polyev is is resonating on the cost of living business and the housing crisis and all the, the affordability and all the rest of it, I think there's also a very palpable sense of voter fatigue with Trudeau and the liberals that Polyev can count on to a large extent. All he has to do is not mess that up so much by yeah. making it look like he's not a credible alternative. But I mean, right now it doesn't look like that's what he's doing at all. Like it looks, it looks like he's sort of, finding a way for people to come to him even if they are moderate but and again though we're only february 2024 october 25 is a long time away
0: I, and you're right i mean there's a preconceived idea people have just here about trudeau no matter what's going to happen here no matter how those numbers changed uh notwithstanding some of the facts I, i'm looking at the uh, political cartoon by the brilliant uh, Michael uh, award-winning yeah. cartoonist, uh, and it was you know it was a binder that was the cartoon. It was Pierre Polyev's policy alternatives. It's an empty binder, uh, which you know tells you about what you know he, he's great at picking things apart, but he doesn't have any alternatives. People don't seem to care. Yeah. I mean, the latest one now is is auto theft, and Pierre Polyev is trying to blame Justin Trudeau for auto thefts right now. Uh, and, and the tie, however tenuous it might be, is while the liberals are weak on crime and they're, you know, they're letting people out of jail and we want maximum sentences, et cetera, et cetera. I, I heard that today when he was making the, the announcements in Montreal, Laurie, and, and I, I couldn't help but go back to when he was just the, a backbencher in the Harper government. I, I've heard this song before and they enacted legislation like this before. Uh, You know, I had their Justice Minister, Rob Nicholson, on the program a number of times on the radio show about this, and we're going to do this, and we're going to lock them up and throw away the key. Ninety percent of what they did pass, because they were a majority government by that stage, got tossed out by the Supreme Court. They said, you can't do that. It's illegal. Uh, People seem to forget that, and they're going to blame Trudeau for that. It was the courts that struck that stuff down, not the Trudeau government. Uh, do people have long memories, or do they just want somebody who's going to give them the kind of rhetoric they want to hear when they're pissed off about you know their their car or their mortgage rate or whatever the case might be?
1: Sure, I'm and, and yeah, like I I think that people want to hear that they they want to hear from a politician who understands them, mm-hmm. and that that means a lot I think these days, especially when people are hurting. Like it, it's you know obviously all of the all of those points are are relevant and the 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 fact that the Supreme court is, is the pushback, you know, is that's relevant and truthful and, and there'll, there'll be some awareness of that. But at the same time, I think people want to, especially again, like, especially when things are not going well, people want to hear you care that I'm in a mess right now that matters to you, even regardless of the other ways that these circumstances came about. And that speaks to the trust issue, which I think is what this, the next election is going to be about because the f- voter fatigue situation is what it is. The fact that Trudeau and Polly Ever are both very polarizing people is what it is. And so their their ability to grow with the electorate is limited. The fact that Jigmeet Singh is, you know, occasionally he does really well in these like, you know, who do you like leaders kind of thing, yeah. but still does it doesn't add to a seat count. And so he, everybody's kind of got limited growth. And I think the, it's, people are going to be thinking about like, yeah, but in the tough times, like who do, who do you want? And I don't know that there's any leader that stands out at this point, right? Like during the, the COVID crisis, there's, the liberals seem to be getting somewhere to push themselves as a compassionate party. yeah. And yeah, if you're screwed, who do you want to be there to make sure that you get your serve or whatever it is, but I don't know that they would win that now. They see the, like the, the, the needle seems to have flipped where Polyev has begun to resonate as more empath- empathetic than the liberals and then Justin Trudeau on the affordability crisis, which I think is a massive problem for them.
0: And the other element to this, too, is we've talked about historically when people are pissed off like this, they tend to go to the other extreme. And we've seen that happen so yep. many times now, uh, you know, here in Ontario, provincially, of course, you know, in, in the early 1990s, they were fed up with the liberals. They were certainly fed up with the conservatives and they voted the NDP into office. And, and you know, as I was doing polling on my show back in those days, time after time, caller after caller said, yeah, I think I'm going to vote. NDP." I said, why? I'll give them a chance. In other words, they didn't even know what their policies were. It's just I'm going to vote for them because they're not the other guy. And, and I'm wondering if that same sort of thing is happening right now, where they're simply saying, "Look at, uh we just want change. And we've saw, you know, federally we've saw that happen too. Uh, you know, after years and years of, of liberal governments with Kretchen and then later Paul Martin, they said, uh, you know what, let's just give the other guys a shot at it. And, and you know, there could have been voter remorse, I'm sure there was with a number of people, but we tend to vote often when we're angry and then t- oftentimes regret it later and say, whoa, we didn't see that coming.
1: Oh, yeah. Oh, 100%. And, and that like... Voting against is a is a thing, right? Like yeah. and then we can like throw on the, all the math about voting strategically and what that means for the different parties and all the rest of it. But sure, like people I think people can get really irritated and decide they don't want something and anything's got to be better than this crap. Kind of like that's that's the sort of mentality that would creep in, which is fine and totally fair. Yeah. But I think um the other thing too is that sometimes I I think we we get accustomed, we get comfortable in sometimes that we haven't seen some of the extremes in this country that maybe others have seen. I, I I may live to regret what I'm about to say, but we have not seen a Trump elected at the federal level. And I think sometimes people think, it's not going to be that bad. Let's vote for whoever and it's not, you know, like, we're, let's give the other guys a try. And surely they're not going to be that far away from the status quo, because we don't have a you know, we don't think of ourselves historically as having a huge ideological range to the point of extremes in Canada. But we may learn that we do.
0: But a wise uh, Pauly Sa professor told me years ago uh, that we tend in Canada anyway to vote governments out, not to vote them in. Right. We get rid of them and said, that's it. We've had enough. Your best before date is come and gone. Uh, I don't even know who we're going to vote for, but it's not you. And, and I'm sensing yeah. that that could be happening. Uh, this time around too, which I guess is why the, the Liberals and, and, and the NDP, I, I guess the biggest challenge for them now is can they rag the puck for another year and a
1: half? And find things to do during that time. Yeah. You know, like, is it even regardless of, like, even if they admitted to themselves, okay, fine, you know, things aren't going well for us. Even if they made peace with the fact that they might lose the next election, that doesn't make the next year and a half any easier. They still have to find stuff to do, stuff to put in the window, budgets, announcements, <laughs> deal with the NDP, dealing with the provinces, you know, it's more than treading water.
0: Well, it's going to be fun to watch over the next little while. And and always uh, great to get your insight into that as we go down this long, lonesome road of uh, federal politics. Laurie, as always, thank you so much for this great having you on the show again today.
1: Thank you. Thank you for having me as always.
0: Dr. Laurie Turnbull from Dalhousie University. And that's it for this edition of the Bill Kelly podcast. You can catch us wherever you get your podcast and uh, until next time, take care. We'll talk again soon. Bill Kelly Podcast brought to you by Wizen's Law Personal Injury Lawyers. Listen, you didn't choose to get injured, but you can choose the right lawyer. Wizen's Law, 905-522-1102 or wizen'slaw.com.